You're listening to Pondering the Bible, a deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 8, Episode 9, and as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's uh, another hot one, but for the last few weeks, we've had some internet issues here at the church. We've had no internet at the church. That's an issue. That's an issue very close to my heart. Which is when you're trying to live stream to a fairly large audience, that's a bummer. Yeah. And it... In a weird way, it also takes down the Wi-Fi in the in the room too. Yeah. So I can't use yeah. the tablets that we use for extra hands. So it gets a little crazy when you get into the <laughs> the media booth. Yeah. So we got that fixed. At least it's working right now. Yeah, it is and as of this moment. <laughs> we pray that we'll have it up on Sunday morning too, so we can <laughs> live stream and uh, upload the sermons and all that kind of fun stuff. So. Okay, so what are we covering this week? We are back into Ephesians, and we are starting chapter 3, so we'll be working verses 1 through 13 tonight. Okay, and you're reading from the New Living Translation. When I think of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Uh, As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Amen. All right, so we just got out of talking about a new temple and how everybody was a part of the new spiritual, if you will, temple, not the Jewish building temple. Now, all believers in Christ are the new spiritual temple. What is Paul kind of talking about this time? I I see lots of secret talk, so let's dig into that. But what's he talking about this time? He was getting ready to draw a conclusion. He had spent, like you said, time talking about the unity in the church and all of the members of the church together form the new temple, the new church of Jesus. And, and it, we as individuals are the, are the holy of holies. We are the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Spirit. God lives in us like he was in the Ark of the Covenant. And he was, he had given us all of that information and he was getting ready to draw a conclusion when he sidetracks. <laughs> he says, Squirrel! 
<laughs> exactly. He says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Oh, and that launches him <laughs> into today's pericope about, you do know I was specifically given to you Gentiles. Now, in, in verse 14, he's going to get back to the point that he was going to make. But all of tonight is, is an aside on Yes, I am your apostle. I am the guy for the for the Gentiles. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So you kind of covered verse one. You want to jump right in verse yeah. two? Okay. Verse two, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. So this is the aside. It's like, yes. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> and... It's such a special deal, and Paul will allude to this later, but for those who may not know, right, Paul began his public career in religion as the persecutor of the Christian church. Right. Right. The first time we come across Paul in the Bible, the deacon, Stephen, uh, has been out doing ministry. He's surrounded by members of the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish ruling religious council, and they make the decision to kill him, to right. stone him. And a lot of people have a misconception about how stoning works. They think, well, you pick up a rock about the size of a baseball and you stand back 10, 12 feet and you throw the rocks at the person until you beat them to death. That is not how stoning works because that all the person has to do is cover their head with their hands and they can live for weeks while you pelt them with rocks. They will starve before they will die from the stoning. Right. So instead in stoning, you pick up rocks the size of a, of a bowling ball mm. and you rush into where the person is, gain momentum and smash that rock right into their body um, with your hand, your hand contacting them. That's how stoning actually works. Now that's incredibly bloody, messy work. And the members of the Sanhedrin have decided to stone Stephen and kill him, but they don't want to get their clothes dirty. So they take off their, their shirt, Robes, their tunic, they were, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And they give them to Paul to hold. Hold this while, hold, hold our clothes, keep them nice and neat and folded while we beat this man to death. That's our introduction to Paul. In fact, his name back then was Saul. Exactly. Yeah, he was a, was he not a Pharisee? Yes. Yeah. A very well known, he had, he had discipled under probably the greatest Pharisee, the greatest rabbi in Israel at that time, a man named Gamaliel. And so Paul is instantly famous because he is Gamaliel's star student. That's why he gets invited, even though he's a very young man, to come hang out with the Sanhedrin. He's not a member, but he is, he's allowed to be with them and talk with them. Well, from the stoning, he moves on to become someone who susses out who's in the Christian church and who isn't, identifies them to the Sanhedrin so that they can be arrested in the middle of the night, carted away to prison and, and put under a death sentence right. for deliberately leading good Jews away from God. That's what the Christian church is doing, this heresy of, of leading good Jews away. And, and that's the first five, six, seven years of Paul's public life doing that until on the road to Damascus, right. he encounters Jesus 
personally, which is important because to be an apostle, you must have been taught by Jesus himself. And Paul will count the road to Damascus and a few other revelations that he has directly from Jesus as being taught by Jesus, and therefore he is qualified to be an apostle. Okay. Uh, so that's his history with the Christians. And now suddenly he becomes the apostle appointed to Gentiles. Well, if you're a good Jew and, and a Pharisee like Paul was a good Jew, the last thing you want is anything doing with Gentiles. That's right. a punishment, right. right? That's where you send the horrible apostle. That's where you send the useless bad apostle. If you're a good apostle, you should go to the Jewish synagogues and, and work with the Jews to convert them to Christianity, not Gentiles. Right, because Gentiles were unclean. Anything they yes. touched or if you touched them, you instantly became unclean. So implied in verse 2 is, this is my punishment, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And he's going to spend the next 11 verses going, oh, no, don't even think of it that way. I am a blessed and fortunate man to be the apostle to the Gentiles. All right. Okay. Then to verse 3. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Verse 4. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. 5. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. Okay, now my first thought there was part of the conversion on the road to Damascus. He ends up in Damascus. He's blind for three days. Yep. And in my mind, I have zero proof of this, but for those three days that he was still blind, um, he was personally ministered to by Jesus. That's my opinion. Um, and, and he says that Jesus himself confronted him on the road and then continued to teach him. And in fact, throughout the rest of, of his life, Paul has interludes where he says, Jesus comes to me and teaches me. I receive, in fact, in, in one of these verses, he's going to talk about revealed to me. And the word there is revelation. Right. I had direct divine revelation from Very Jesus. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So we just talked about this. God, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. What mystery? An elaborate, mysterious plan. Are we talking about? Yeah. I think that word mystery shows up three times in our, in our reading tonight. It's an interesting, there are several different words that can be translated as mystery. The word that Paul selects and uses all three times is the same word for a military strategy, a battle plan. In these days, the king was responsible for developing, and perhaps his son, the prince, for developing the battle plan for a war. Mm -hmm. And so the night before combat, the king and the prince would work and they would, they would put together exactly how we're going to do this so that we're guaranteed a win. And you might think they would share it with the generals and the army so that tomorrow morning everybody's on the same page. But no. Sir, I don't have to tell you anything. Because of spies and because people just like shooting off their mouths, <laughs> you couldn't keep it secret if anybody other than the king and the prince knew what was going on. So they kept that as this word mystery until the moment to execute the plan. And, and, Paul is drawing a very real comparison here that the king, God the Father, and the prince, Jesus Christ, have put together a specific plan for the Gentiles, and it wasn't revealed 
until time to execute the battle plan. Oh, very cool. We might go, well, then what is this battle plan? I've got two Old Testament scriptures. If you'll look up Isaiah 19.25, and I will go to Zechariah 2.11. All right, I've got Isaiah 19, verse 25. For the Lord of heaven's armies will say, Blessed be Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. Right there, 700 years before Jesus, God says through the prophet Isaiah, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and the Israelites are all my special people. Yeah, that's something we, we never think. We always right. think of the Egyptians as, you know, the, the oppressors. Enemies, right, yeah. Right. And the Assyrians are the ones who, who destroyed the northern nation of Israel. And, and yet, 700 years ago, God had already said, no, 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 those are my people too. Right. Well, if you think about it, God used the Egyptians to yeah. free the original Jewish people. Yeah. And he used Assyria to grow, if you will, the Jewish people. So, those two nations, if you will, yeah. have always, I've obviously been part of God's grand scheme. It just yeah. didn't work out for the Jews <laughs> at some point, but as the bigger, bigger scene, if you will, they were definitely part of God's plan for I've, the Jews. I've got Zechariah 2.11, and it says, Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they too will be my people. Paul points out, that from the beginning of time, before God even created the earth, when he set the plan for salvation, he had already decided Gentiles are part of my people and part of my saved. And he really didn't reveal this to the rest of the world. We'll talk about why uh, when we get down around okay. verses 8, 9, and 10. But Paul says, I am part, it's special to be the, the apostle to the Gentiles because nobody knew but God the Father and God the Son that you are chosen and special and loved immensely, I get to be the one to reveal this this show-stopping moment. <laughs> Don't feel bad for me. I got right. a cool job. I'm part of God's plan. I've got yeah. a big part in God's yes. plan. Yes, a part that nobody else saw coming. Right. Plot twist. Every plot twist came with a twirl of a mustache and ended in an exclamation mark. <laughs> oh, Gentiles too. Wait a minute. Nobody, <laughs> nobody expected that. I didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. expects the Spanish Inquisition. Exactly. Okay, then let's move on then to verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. 7, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. And that pretty much sums it up right there. That's kind of what we just said. Yeah. But what does it specifically mean for Paul? He got launched into this aside when he said, now, I, as the apostle to the Gentiles, oh, yeah. And that's what launched him into this whole thing because he's in prison, right? He right. said, I in pr I'm in prison, but I'm the apostle. If he had not been the apostle to the Gentiles, he probably wouldn't be in jail. Probably if you true. remember, yeah. he took uh, a young man, a young Gentile boy, 
into the holy temple beyond where Gentiles were allowed to be. That's the accusation that has put him under a death sentence, and it's the reason why he is going to be executed. Uh, and so a lot of people are like, wow, if you hadn't been the apostle to the Gentiles, you would have got to live a long life as a good servant of, of God because you were quite a, a church planter. And Paul, in, in verses 6 and 7, says, don't you feel bad for me? Mm. Don't you even feel bad? It is my privilege to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And, and if being in jail is part of that, then bring it on. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me in jail because I got to bring the message to the Gentiles who had no idea how much they were loved. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Verses 8 and 9. 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. 9. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Okay, so <laughs> I think I have a good idea here, but how does Paul view himself? You might think this would give him a little bit of a of a An big ego head, boost, right? Yeah. Like, right? Right? Matthew didn't get to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, Not even Peter. John and Peter didn't right. get to be. I'm the apostle. You might think he would have this really uh, uh, grand idea of himself. I'm going to ask you to look up First Corinthians fifteen nine. Uh, I am going to find 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16. Now, here in Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people. He, he actually says, I really shouldn't be saved. If anybody deserved to be saved, not me. Right. For in my opinion, maybe he's this is what he's thinking, but yeah. it's because of the early treatment of the early Christian church. Yeah. Right. That, yes. That kind of put him against God and yeah. Jesus. So okay. What do you got there in First Corinthians fifteen nine? Fifteen nine. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Yeah. He is well aware that even though he's forgiven and God has shown him mercy and grace. His previous actions don't just get wiped away. They're, they are still part of him. He did terrible, terrible things. Right. And Paul will have to live with that for all of eternity, right. what he did to God's church. In fact, that caused the, 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 the other apostles some, how do I say it? Not consternation, but it took them a long time to accept Paul because they yeah. thought he was faking his way in to get closer to them and knock, you know, cut off the head and scatter the yeah. sheep. Right? Terrified that his goal was to rip out the heart of the Christian church from the inside. Right. First Timothy one fifteen and sixteen. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst. Of them all. All right. So Paul definitely feels guilt, if you will, for his yeah. initial behavior yeah. uh, when, he, when he first encountered the Christian church. But like you said, God gave him forgiveness and grace, but he still feels that pang of, man, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Had I known. <laughs> but anyway. And so his point in verses eight and nine is how amazing is our God that he takes arguably the worst sinner on the planet, the man who is doing everything he can to crush the Christian church so it never gets launched. And God 
shows that man mercy and grace and makes him the apostle of the mystery. Right. That the Gentiles are saved and nobody saw that coming. What kind of a of a good, incredible God gives a man like Paul an honor like that? A gracious God. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Um, verses 10 and 11. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 11. This was his, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah. Okay. So why did God do all this? This is really awesome. Paul says, you have to see how God orchestrated all the different pieces to see how incredibly wise our our God is. He says, God, in verse 10, God used this variety of grace, this wide variety of grace. The word he actually uses there is, it's hard for me to say, polupoikolos, polupoikolos, and it means multicolored. Um, and it's the word for when you shine a white light through a prism mm. and it spreads it into the full, spe- an infinite number of colors. Right. You know? Depending on your ability to, to grade angstroms, there are an infinite number of colors out of a single white beam. And, and Paul is saying here, God's grace is infinite in its ability to be relevant to each and every one of us. The gu- grace that God gives to Ken and the grace that God gives to Rocky are not experienced the same way because you and I have different needs and, and we're different people. But God has exactly what you need and exactly what I need to bless us to the richest extent possible. And he says, and the whole reason for for doing it this way was to stick his finger in the devil's eye. That's the (laughs) unseen power in heavenly places. The devil thought he only had to stop Jesus from saving the Jews. Nobody loves the Gentiles. They've been thrown away. (laughs) So nobody's going to save the Gentiles. And and if God was going to save the Gentiles, he certainly wouldn't use Paul because he persecuted the church. He was working on my side. So God is never going to use Paul and he's never going to save the Gentiles. And then the devil wakes up one morning and is like, what? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) What happened here? Oh, man. What happened here? And so verses 10 and 11 are are Paul almost shouting at the top of the lungs, who saw that coming? Nobody, nobody, only my God saw that coming. (laughs) That's very awesome. And like he said, nobody expected that. Nobody. No, you you had thousands of years of God just working with the Jews. So he must not care about the others. And, and, what guy are you? Well, you're going to send Peter or you're going to send James or you're going to send John. You're not going to send this Paul guy. Right. What a, what a, like you said, plot twist. What right. an man. So Paul verses 10 and 11 are the highlight of this whole section uh, of scripture. He's shouting how cool this is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Verse 12 and then finish up with 13. 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. 13, so please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. So how does this aside, because now we've kind of finished this, yeah. this squirrel aside here. How does this kind of finish? The whole, I'm in jail because of you Gentiles. That's how he started in verse right. one. Ends in verse 13 with, but don't feel bad for me. 
if I had the chance, I'd do it exactly the same way again. What God has accomplished is so incredible and displays such a phenomenal amount of love. I wouldn't change a thing. And if that means I die, you know, a young man, well, he's not going to be young. He's going to be in his sixties. But if, if that means I die earlier than I would have to have been a part of this, it's worth it. It's a privilege to die in this situation. And in the big scheme, he got to be a very large part yeah. of this by going to, like we said a hundred times, going to the Gentiles with the good news. Yeah. And nobody expected that. So, no. Yeah. I think I'd have to be amazed and proud, I guess. Pride might be the wrong word, but honored to have been included in God's grand scheme yeah. uh, in this plot twist. Yeah. That literally changed the world. And you would say, well, that's a little, little arrogant, but no, we've read those other verses about I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the least deserving. I am the worst you can be. So he, he still has a really good self-perspective. So it is a true joy at what God has done, not at what Paul has done. That's very true. Okay. Anything else on this one? Nope. The the aside ends with verse 13. The next week we'll get back into, okay, talking about unity and the temple. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so speaking of that, have you given a sermon title yet? Call on this one. It's a matter of perspective. I guess it depends on how you look at it. It does. <laughs> All right. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. Uh, at the top is a menu called ministries. Go there, click down, go to sermons, look for the sermon, A Matter of Perspective. And this will be delivered on August 13th, 2023. Where are we going next week? Uh, back to, he's going to, now that you know the need to be unified, now that you understand you are the church, you have a responsibility to pursue sanctification, to get up every day and be more like Jesus than you were yesterday. It's not enough to be saved. You must mature in Christ. Outstanding. So, you ready for your dad joke? Yes. Have you heard about those new corduroy pillows? No. They're making headlines. <laughs> and with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. <laughs>